for me, I think the most, after having done this for a while, I think it can be a really powerful way to build a narrative for authors that, that ties a lot of their ideas together and introduces people to all the ideas that they have maybe across three or four books they wouldn't otherwise get the opportunity to do. They wouldn't be able to do it on social media. They wouldn't be able to do it on their Amazon author bio page, for example. Once you get someone on your email list, it's then you can really nurture the relationship and kind of introduce those ideas over time. Welcome to the Become a Writer Today podcast with Brian Collins. Here you'll find practical advice and interviews for all kinds of writers. Email marketing automation. What should writers, bloggers and authors know about it? And how can you get started if you find it overwhelming? Hi there, my name is Brian Collins and welcome to the Become a Writer Today podcast. Email marketing automation can be a little bit overwhelming. I know when I first started trying to segment my list and figure out what to send to readers and subscribers, I ended up with a smorgasbord of forms, segments, lists, and rules to follow and check. And it took me quite some time and a lot of hair pulling to get it right. Now, I was eventually able to get it right because I'm currently using email marketing software ConvertKit, which is pretty easy to use and which was actually originally built with bloggers and writers in mind. People with lists of all sizes use ConvertKit to send the right message to their readers and also to segment their list and also to sell their latest books, courses and offers. Now, email marketing automation still can be a little bit tricky to get your head around. So if you're struggling, you may enjoy this week's interview with Matt Tracy. He basically teaches authors and writers how to monetize their lists more effectively through the power of marketing, or should I say email marketing automation. And in this week's interview, he provides a number of helpful strategies and tips for doing just that. Hope you enjoyed this week's interview with Matt Tracy. It was a good one. If you do, please consider leaving a short review on the iTunes store. And of course, you could share the show with another writer or another friend who enjoys learning about marketing and writing. And don't forget to review the show as well, because when you hit the star button on iTunes or when you share the show with another writer, it really does help the podcast grow. My guest today is Matt Tracy, who's the author of Natural Orders. And Matt also coaches nonfiction authors how they can use email marketing to build relationships with their readers. Welcome to the show, Matt. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to be on. It's very nice to talk to you today. So how did you get into teaching nonfiction authors how to use email marketing for as part of their marketing strategy for books and writing? Well, interestingly enough, it was actually my first foray into marketing at all was with a nonfiction author. So it's kind of what I've been doing from the beginning since then. I've been doing it for almost a decade now. I branched out into doing stuff with software as a service, SaaS businesses, a bit of e-commerce stuff, even some stuff in finance. I kind of did a lot of different things, but my bread and butter has always been working with authors. So it's the business model I understand probably the most comprehensively, and it's just been where most of my experience is. What type of nonfiction authors are you currently working with? Like names or would you prefer? Oh, but just, just genres or niches or niches. Um, I mean, it can be pretty big. Yeah, finance and business, mostly. Those are my main things. I've experimented with a number of different types of email marketing over the years. So I've used uh, newsletters like Substack to just publish extracts from a book or just to publish pieces of writing that would later turn into book chapters. These days, I mostly use ConvertKit. So I send out new articles to readers. Then at the end of the article, I might have an update about whatever I'm working on or writing or about a book launch. That strategy seems to work quite well for me. What are the types of strategies that you normally advise your clients on? 
I guess it does depend on the author, but for a lot of people where they've got quite a few books out, it can be really interesting because there's a lot of opportunities, to obviously, to upsell people to courses, membership programs and stuff that's on the back end. But for me, I think the most, after having done this for a while, I think it can be a really powerful way to build a narrative for authors that, that ties a lot of their ideas together and introduces people to all the ideas that they have maybe across three or four books that wouldn't otherwise get the opportunity to do. They wouldn't be able to do it on social media. They wouldn't be able to do it on their Amazon author bio page, for example. Once you get someone on your email list, it's, then you can really nurture the relationship and kind of introduce those ideas over time. So if I'm getting new readers onto my email list, my particular approach was to perhaps have a short free book on Amazon, then that would direct readers to a landing page and then they would opt in and then I would send them new chapters from the next book in the series, or perhaps I'd send them some related content or articles. Is that an approach that you recommend to your clients or do you have a different type of approach? Beautiful. Yeah. I mean, that can work perfectly. You can be really creative with it and it depends on the author and the voice that they have and the way that they communicate with their audience. I think that's the most powerful thing. I mean, we often hear about how powerful email is for as part of your author platform but i think this narrative component of it is really like where the gold is i mean with email you own the audience right but you get to direct the conversation and build up and continue the conversation you've had in that book makes sense yes what i try to do is have a story that i would tell over the course of three or four emails so perhaps have a cliffhanger at the end of the email almost like a thriller book in email two i would continue the story and then in email three hopefully there's some sort of conclusion and then i might follow up with readers have clicked on links to whatever the offer is or whatever the sale is or the promotion you know annoying everybody in the list i'm just really talking to people who are most engaged is that an approach that you've taken are there any tweaks that i could make to that approach yeah man i tell you what you're ahead of the curve i mean (laughs) because Look, honestly, before I said I got into marketing a little bit later in my career, what I did before that actually was ecology, hence the name of the book being Natural Orders. And the, the whole idea of natural orders and email marketing is this this idea that the email list is like an ecosystem, right? It has the same characteristics. It can collapse just like an ecosystem if you don't treat it the right way. So the fact you're already thinking about all these things in terms of like nurturing your audience, only sending stuff to engage segments of your audience and having this whole narrative side of things, it's leaps and bounds beyond what a lot of people seem to do with their email list in terms of just sending promotion after promotion, exhausting it, and eventually having nothing good really come of this asset. I found with marketing automation, it can get a little bit overwhelming. So I use ConvertKit, which is, I suppose, built with bloggers and content creators in mind. And I can end up with a smorgasbord of forms and segments and rules. And it can take some time then to figure out what's happening. So maybe perhaps you could walk through a few steps that somebody could take if they're just getting into marketing automation for the first time so that they don't get too overwhelmed. Yeah, what is that saying? That quote, I'm not sure who it's attributed to. As simple as possible, but no simpler, right? And I think that 100% applies to email. I've been down the path of, you know, you come up with all of these cool ideas, ways you can segment people and tag them up and send them all these personalized offers. And there's definitely space for that. And there's definitely places where you should do it. But often simpler is better. You know, I've worked with authors before and I've said to them, you know, really what all you need to be doing is sending a newsletter every week or maybe dividing your audience into two segments, sending a different newsletter on alternating weeks and then tagging up people who engage. Keeping it very simple. ConvertKit is great for that sort of thing. Great tool. There's a lot of great tools out there. To answer your question, 
where someone should start is exactly what we've been talking about. I mean, it's all about the list of health. So the first stage I talk about in the book, it's like setting the foundation for the ecosystem, right? So your engagement rates. I mean, it could be opens or clicks, but that could also be measured in terms of just keeping your unsubscribe figure really low. So if people aren't being as fast, that could be a really good way to measure the health of your overall email list, right? So doing whatever you can to keep that engagement really high is going to be the best place to start for an author as they're building their list slowly over time. Could you talk a little bit more about the approach that you described a few minutes ago, where you recommend that your new clients send two different types of newsletters on different weeks? That was a specific example of someone I work with. If you have, a, say, you've written two or three different books and they have overlapping but quite different audiences, then that's going to be major segment lines within your email list. And sometimes that's worth dividing up. Sometimes it's not. In cases like that, it might make sense to send very specific newsletters to specific segments of your audience if they exist. But that was just a specific example. One thing I typically recommend that authors do, though, is I remember you just previously, you mentioned that you have that kind of narrative sequence where like four emails, you end with a cliffhanger and you you put on your paperback writer hat, build a bit of a narrative for them. You start with that, but then something really interesting you can do, the people who engage with that, you graduate them to a sequence where you can talk a little bit more about the problem that they're experiencing or more specifically the solution to the problem that they signed up to your email list for in the first place. Going back to like classic copywriting stuff, so the Schwartz five stages of awareness, right? For an author, typically if someone signs up to your list, they're going to be like problem aware, maybe solution aware. So if you target your messaging to bridge someone from problem aware over to solution aware, and you only talk to those people who have engaged with your emails about like solution aware content, then that can be a really powerful way to turn those subscribers into something potentially more valuable, whether that's in the form of more books or courses, memberships, whatever the author business model has. So if somebody's listening to this and you know, they have a small list or perhaps they've just started growing their list. Maybe they have a couple of dozen or maybe just one or 200 subscribers. Is it a lot of work to start segmenting the list? Is that a valuable exercise when your list is due? No. And actually, I recommend this for anyone because it doesn't matter what email marketing service, EMS you're using, you should be able to build a sequence like this. I mean, you're right on the money saying with, with the narrative and everything. I mean, sometimes that's an uphill battle to describe that whole process instead of just like, sending offers out as soon as someone signs up. Just that mindset shift is a very powerful thing. So most EMS, like I was saying, will allow you to have a sequence of emails where you're building a bit of narrative, and then you should be able to just apply a tag or build a segment of people who have engaged with any of those emails you've sent, and then all of a sudden you've got your solution-aware or graduated engagement group, and then you can talk to them in a slightly different way. It's a slightly closer cohort, and the messaging changes slightly. When you're working with your clients and you're helping them set up their segments for the first time, how would you advise them to figure out what those particular segments are? Are there any tips you could offer? Yeah, I mean, this goes back to as simple as possible, right? <laughs> because you want it to be a self-selecting thing. So if you build that first narrative sequence, then these people are self-selecting. Those people who engage with those emails, they're going to form the basis of that next engaged, higher engaged segment, right? And all of the sequences you build in your email marketing automation, I'd say 80% of them should have the goal of, number one, gathering data about what those people are actually doing. So, of course, they can sell, they can drive traffic to different places. There's all these things you can do with email. But number one is you're gathering data about your audience that you own. 
because it's the only way that you actually own the data of your audience, especially as a small online business owner, right? An author. Yeah, yeah, true. Makes sense. And when you are gathering data about your, your audience, do you recommend sending out surveys or getting on calls or is there, is there another way to gather that kind of information? It can be a way to do it, but, you know, say you've got this second engaged group that we we're just talking about, you could start sending them back to your site to specific articles. And if you've got different categories of articles on your site, all you have to do then is tag which articles they're going back to and then you have interest groups and you have another layer of data that you've built for that audience, right? And then you can get really discreet with your messaging. You can further segment and just send them very specific messages about whatever articles they've looked at. So if you've come onto my site and you've looked at five articles about using chat GPT to write books, right? So that's a category of articles on my site, then I can send you more content that's like that. And you're going to be a more engaged person on that list and down the line, more likely to buy something. So that's how you build it up over time. It's self-evolving, like it builds on itself. It's not something that you sit down and put on your hat and say, sketch out all of these different avatars. It's like you just build a system, you let the data build itself. You mentioned sending out articles that I might have written about ChatGPT, for example. One problem that I suppose newer authors would encounter is they've written their book, but then you know it's going to be a few months, maybe even a year or two before they write the next book. Perhaps they're not necessarily blogging too much or they don't have a content website with a lot of content to send. So then they run into the classic problem of it's Thursday, I need to send out something to my email list, but I don't know what to send. What would you recommend to a writer or an author who's encountering an issue like that? Yeah, so it depends. Newsletters are in vogue now and for good reason, right? Because it's timely and relevant content. And when you really break down what email is all about, it's about sending timely and relevant content. That's a good way to define personalization, right? So newsletters are fantastic at that because it's something like it's hot off the press every time it's sent, engages people, it's it's newsworthy stuff for whatever niche someone's writing in. So newsletters work really well for that. I don't practice what I preach with my own email list. I don't send out a newsletter because I'm too busy managing newsletters for other people. Right? So when it comes time to send a newsletter for my own list, I don't do it. And I can see a lot of authors who are also in that position. What I'd recommend in that situation is just make your nurture sequence longer. One of the virtues of being an author is that you have so much content, right? You can repackage these 100,000, 150,000 word book into a probably a killer email sequence without repeating yourself too much and with some light editing and reshaping the narrative in whichever way you want to take it. So you've already got this content. You can create more content easily if you want because you're an author. So I'd just say build a nurture sequence so you can kind of just set and forget. Something that goes for a year, send one email every two weeks. Even, you know, sometimes that can be good not flooding people's inbox with stuff. So a nurture sequence being a sequence that builds a relationship with your readers over time. So you mentioned that it, it would go out over a year. So if it's sending that out every fortnight, that's approximately 26 emails. So based on your work with your clients, Matt, could you perhaps give some suggestions or some tips about what to put into the nurture sequence or perhaps some examples of what worked well for your clients? Like how long should it be? Am I linking to my own content? Am I linking to external content? Should I write it all in advance or do I'm writing it as I go along? Yeah, all good questions. Enter the conversation going on in your prospect's mind, right? So this is what it's all about. This first sequence you're building, whether you want to call it a problem-aware prospect. So these first emails you send are all about re-establishing the reason that they signed up in the first place. So say you wrote a book about you know, fitness and diet, right? Those first emails you send are all going to be about re-establishing 
this problem that these people have about either losing weight or getting fit or whatever the thing is, right? There's no providing solutions to those problems. There's no offering any products, anything like this. So just using this framework to think about how you stage your communication and to answer your question, I'd recommend writing this stuff up front and really putting a lot of effort into it as you know, a work in itself. I mean, this conversation you're having with these people who subscribe to your email list, I mean, it's, it's very powerful as people know. So it's worth spending the time and doing it right. You mentioned that you're actually managing email lists for your clients. So are you actually physically going into their email clients and sending the emails and drafting them or are you just giving kind of consultancy advice? Yeah. So, I mean, I'll start off with doing strategy work for this sort of stuff that we're talking about now. I do work one-on-one with some clients. It's, it's bigger projects of sending newsletters and doing launches. So launches for products and all books, been involved in those before and I mean, there's a lot of ongoing work managing the health of a list when it's a, when you've got a 200, 300, 400,000 person email list can be significant. There's a lot of segmentation that happens, a lot of different things that <laughs> you just have to look after. Things come up all the time. <laughs> oh, interesting. That's quite a big list. But I'd be curious to learn more about some of the issues that a bigger list like that would encounter. Yeah. I mean, it all depends on the sophistication of the automation you have running in the background, right? I mean, I was kind of alluding before to this idea of like you have all of these automations that are gathering data about people and building these segments. You adjust these over time and then you can build carry-on sequences that once there's X amount of people sorted into Y bucket, then you can have that trigger a sequence that sends them down another path of emails, right? Another whole set of nurture that might take another, I don't know, month, two months, right? So when there's a whole lot of that and there's a whole lot of people coming in from all different sources, it can become quite a lot to manage, absolutely. But like I said, I mean, going back to this main thing, it's as simple as possible, (laughs) but no simpler, right? Sometimes this stuff is warranted, especially if you've got high ticket sales to make on the back end. You can definitely make a business case for a lot of these things. And then the management just comes with it. But for a lot of authors, I mean, really, sometimes it can be as simple as to just send a newsletter every week and see who engages with it and then just build up from there. And are your clients who have email lists of that size, are they using ConvertKit or are they using dedicated marketing automation software? I'd class ConvertKit as dedicated marketing automation software. It's a good tool. I mean, it's really like you have your entry-level tools, stuff like MailChimp, you have your mid-market solutions of which ConvertKit is part. I think it was originally made for bloggers and I think a lot of authors have taken it on. It's a good tool. And then there's enterprise solutions. So, I mean, it's really just about finding mid-market that's going to have the features that you want. And the features you're really looking for, number one, the ability to segment really easy. So like do easily search through the database and create custom segments with like really discrete queries. That's a really important thing. And then obviously the automation builder. If you have a really powerful automation builder, then you can, those two things will usually go together because the power of the automation is based on the depth to which you can segment your audience. Active campaigns are a really good tool for this, actually. No tool is perfect. A lot of them have problems. I mean, it's always a trade-off, but yeah, Active Campaign seems to tick all the boxes for this. Yeah, I've looked at Active Campaign. I decided not to migrate to it in the end. Uh, I was happy with ConvertKit. There are certainly both good email tools. So I've interviewed a number of people lately who are just using Substack, and I know it doesn't have marketing automation, but they're basically using Substack to send out their latest article, their latest blog post. I even know one or two bloggers who've just stopped writing on their own site and have now migrated entirely to Substack because of the ecosystem that's built within it. So I suppose based on your experience working with lists of all sizes, have you any thoughts on a newsletter platform 
like Substack versus traditional newsletter that you might send out using ConvertKit or ActiveCampaign? Yeah, I mean, it does all come down to what the opportunities are being on a platform like ActiveCampaign where you actually own the database and you have all these automation opportunities versus Substack where I guess you do own the database, but you don't have the possibilities to really gather the data like we were talking about. One really good thing you get with Substack though, and Beehive is another one that's taking off. Is also a really good tool, has some really good features, is the discoverability, right? That's something that's not built into your own email list. So I know a lot of people who write in kind of finance and that got these big Substack newsletters that actually provides them the source of traffic. So that can be a really valuable thing. And also, I mean, if you're running a subscription newsletter and that is your model, fantastic. Use Substack or Beehive, right? There's no need to sell people things on the back end or do complicated complex automation if that's not your model, right? So there's definitely certain cases where a Substack or a Beehive newsletter is going to do just fine. But you really need to think about what the opportunities are for you. The discovery feature is is probably one of the key selling points of Substack. Plus it's free to use, <laughs> so which is always nice. So you mentioned again that you're working with uh, clients who have pretty big email lists. I would imagine if they have an email list that's quite large, they have a budget for hiring somebody like you, Matt, or perhaps they have team members who are sending emails on their behalf and taking care of the automation and the segmentation and so on. But if somebody's listening to this and they're thinking, this all sounds very time-consuming, I'd rather just be writing my book or writing my articles. I don't really want to be setting up tags and setting up a system inside of ConvertKit because it could be a job in itself. What would you say to them? Well, I mean, this is partly for me the impetus of writing a book, right? I mean, if you get these foundations right, then this is something that can just grow over time. And then you can step back, come back a year later and then look at it and say, okay, what have I got here? Which, how has my audience segmented itself? What data do I have about these people who are joining my list? Who are my readers, right? Those questions can kind of reveal themselves once you've done, laid the foundations. So, I mean, I break it down to three stages in this book. But if you get through that first stage and maybe a little bit of the second, arguably, you'll be in that situation. It's not a lot of upfront work. It's more theory, just kind of that perspective shift about how you think about email and what role it plays in your business. I think that's the important thing. How often would you recommend a author or a writer review the segmentation campaign that they've created or perhaps those 26 emails that they've set up to send out over the course of a year? Because what I found is if I go in and look at it after two weeks, it's not really enough information for me to make any meaningful decisions. But then if I wait an entire year, Perhaps I've missed some issues or things that I could have fixed. Yeah, look, I mean, it's all about setting goals and monitoring it over time and what part it plays in your business and what you're trying to get out of it, right? I mean, I'll do weekly, monthly and quarterly reports on all of these things just to get a sense of how they're performing and what they're doing big picture. But yeah, you do have to set the goal before you can measure something properly, right? What type of goals would you recommend? Say you've got one specific segment is getting sent into a specific sequence. What are you trying to do in that sequence? Are you trying to get them to click through to a page so that they can move on in the another stage of education? Are you trying to sell them a product? Are you trying to get them to be part of a book launch cohort? It's all about figuring out what you're actually trying to do with that thing and what the end result of it is. And I'll set these things up as formal experiments, right? Like I'll you know, you set out a hypothesis and a method results and you'll revisit them. When you're revisiting them, are you, are you tracking the results in a spreadsheet or are you just looking at the data in the email marketing software or do some other system for them? Yeah, yeah, I'll pump it out into Google Data Studio. 
What a Lucas Studio now they call it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I'm curious, what does Google Data Studio do? Because normally I thought that would be for website traffic. Oh no, you can get some integrations, and I mean, for example, Active Campaign or Copperkit, and you you can put it right into a dashboard that you've built, like built for purpose. Like I'll have all of the metrics I typically track, like that you'll need for an email list. And then if you're running like a specific experiment that's got several iterations over time, like you just create a new sheet, you'll do custom reports and then just pull it straight out. <laughs> I was using spreadsheets for a while. Though. I was manually tracking everything, but you need to level up. Is that technical to do or otherwise? No, no, not particularly. You just get these integrations. I mean, you have to pay for them, but it's absolutely worth it because you need to look at the data, right? Does it work with ConvertKit? I'm not sure on ConvertKit. I'll have to look into that one, but I'm sure they would be. Almost certainly would be. They've got an API. Is it just kind of showing information about the open rates and click-through rates and goal completion in a different way to what you get inside of ActiveCampaign or is it doing something that ActiveCampaign can't do? I mean, you'd have to export all the data and then, you know, clean it up and put it into a pivot table and analyze it that way. Whereas if you've got it coming straight into the dashboard that you've built, it can be a little bit easier. Oh, interesting. I must look at that. So Matt, if people are interested in learning more about your work, where should they go? naturalordersbook.com you can find out more about the book and that'll be on my site and that's it that's the best way just yeah the book has most of my knowledge i'll include links in the show notes but it's very nice to talk to you today yeah thanks Brian. i hope you enjoyed this week's episode if you did please consider leaving a short review on the itunes store or sharing the show on spotify stitcher or wherever you're listening More reviews, more ratings and more shares will help more people find the Become a Writer Today podcast. And did you know for just a couple of dollars a month, you could become a Patreon for the show? Visit patreon.com forward slash become a writer today or look for the support button in the show notes. Your support will help me record, produce and publish more episodes each month. And if you become a Patreon, I'll give you my writing books, discounts on writing software and on my writing courses. 